Welcome to the Addiction Solution Podcast. I'm Michelle Dunbar. Mark Sheeran and I will be talking today about how people break free from the addiction and recovery trap. We, along with our colleague Stephen Slate, wrote the Freedom Model for Addictions, Escape the Treatment and Recovery Trap, and the Freedom Model for the Family. The Freedom Model offers a completely different approach to addiction and a real solution. There are two ways to learn the Freedom Model in private one-on-one classes, and that is at our beautiful private St. Jude retreat, and also through our at-home Freedom Model private instruction program, which we do via video conference. We also will be releasing our uh, Freedom Model online program, which is a video series that will that Mark and I and Stephen teach to take you through the full curriculum. You can get information about these options at thefreedommodel.org and soberforever.net. Um, what we're going to talk about today, uh, you know, I, I've had a few students over the last uh, few months, and and they were kind of they've stopped drinking heavily or using substances um, because other people have wanted them to stop. Um, and and one of the people that I work with basically said, you know, I, I miss it. I still want to do it. I'm not doing it. I went from drinking, you know, two bottles of wine a day um, to, <laughs> to nothing. And, and, there's, and there's something about it that, that I really still like. And, and I still perceive that it's relaxing for me. And I know you say it doesn't do that. And so we're going to clarify what we mean by that today. Yeah, in order to do that, we have to start with the building blocks of what we're talking about. So we talk about challenging the benefits of drinking. First, in order to solve a drinking issue, you have to understand that you like it at some level, like Michelle described just now, that people see benefit in it, maybe stress relief, anxiety relief, relief from depression, whatever it might be. These are all products of the human mind depression, anxiety, stress, the way you experience your life. These things are all held within the mind of the individual. But the building blocks of how the human mind works is the mind is a separate entity. It's something that they call metaphysical, which in Latin means beyond the physical. In other words, it doesn't have any physical attributes. It's beyond a physical realm. And that makes uh, the mind kind of a weird thing. It's, it's an experience. It's where you experience life. It's where you experience emotions. It's where you have memories. It's all these things. Um, then you have the body and the brain, which are physical things. And what people don't understand is that a brain doesn't think. It doesn't experience. It doesn't feel. It processes. So it's hardware. The body is a vessel. It's a physical vessel. A substance is a lifeless physical thing that goes inside the vessel, right? Through your mouth and your veins, however you ingest it. And so what happens is people conflate the mind and the brain. And when they do this, they get very confused. So they have an active placebo in the body. In other words, they feel a physical sensation and then they interpret that physical sensation in their mind. And they interpret it in very, very inaccurate and inappropriate ways. They say, you know, I, I like drinking because it takes my stress away. Well, does it? Does it actually go into the human mind, out of your bloodstream, go into the realm of the metaphysical and change the content of your thoughts? Does it take the stress away? The problem is, is that people believe it does for a little while 
because they have this physical sensation. They misinterpret the physical sensation in a mental way. They bring it into the realm of the mind. They say that alcohol is changing my thoughts to themselves. So they're mentally masturbating within their mind and they're creating their own magic. Now, um, this, this separation of mind and brain is an important nuance because if you don't understand that your mind is independent of what's happening in the body and that all the control of your life starts within your thoughts, your thought life, your mind, then you're going to get really confused quick and you're going to give alcohol credit for taking your stress away or or whatever attribute you give it, you're gonna you're gonna miss it. It's a misattribution. You're gonna give it credit for something it can't do because it can't leave your bloodstream and go into your mind. This is such an important concept for you to understand. So we're not saying that it doesn't pharmacologically get you blitzed. It does, but it doesn't go then leap out of your bloodstream, right? And then go into your thoughts and take away selected thoughts. It can't do that. So this is important to understand that the only entity that can change thought is your mind. You. You are your mind. So it's not the alcohol doing it. So that's what when we say you know addiction doesn't exist, we're saying that it doesn't exist in the, in the mind. Um, you might believe it does, and that makes it very real. But it's a misattribution. It's a mistake. It's a logical error. So the, we don't deny that there are pharmacological, physical effects of a physical substance in a physical realm happening. You are your motor functions are sped up, slowed down, and messed with. Your your body is tickled in various ways, and you might find that pleasurable, that sensation. But then saying that it's going to take your stress away is a realm it can't go into. But let me clarify something: if this is your preferred activity for relaxation. If this is a habit that you've developed where when I feel stressed, I I have a bottle of wine and I feel relaxed from doing it. That is something that you're doing yourself. And we're not denying that you've created this um, myth, myth, this habit, this magical, you know, properties that you're attributing to alcohol. We're not saying, I mean, but it, it's much the same way that, that, you know, somebody will say, you know, when I feel stressed, I go for a run. Um, it's no different than somebody saying, when I feel stressed, I take a nap. I mean, whatever you have decided is your stress relief activity, um, you will make it so. And we know that it's not the pharmacology of alcohol because, and we've said this before, because if you're out having a really good time and your stress is relieved and then you get pulled over by the cops for drunk driving, you feel pretty damn stressed. If it pharmacologically did, you know, relieved your stress, then you would be chill about it. You'd be like, yeah, well, well, this is great. That, For, for example, the pharmacology of an antibiotic doesn't cr- both create bacteria and kill it at whim so if it did if it did create it and kill it at whim that would mean that the antibiotic would have a mind of its own and it would pick and choose and that's the way we view alcohol now that alcohol has a mind of its own it takes stress away but it also causes us to misbehave it does all these radical things you know who's doing that you you are 
your mind, your thoughts, because your thoughts are you. So again, you're in this circular pattern of giving alcohol credit for something it can't do. There are pharmacological effects for al from alcohol or any substance. Uh, if you poison your body, there will be an effect of some kind. We know that. We're not denying that. And you might even have physical uh, tolerance build up and withdrawal symptoms. You'll have all kinds of downstream effects from the pharmacology. But one thing it can't do, it can't leap out of your veins, go into your mind with a mind of its own, and take your stress away. That is a misattribution. So what we're, why is this important is because if we take away the value you've given it, if we take away the value you've, we, you've given alcohol or drugs, uh, then you won't want it. You won't want something that can't serve you. Now, here's what's interesting. It hasn't served you, <laughs> or you wouldn't be talking to us. You know that it turns into a disaster and that you have just as much stress when you end as you did when you began. You know why? Because alcohol can't do what you think it's doing. So any temporary temporary relief you feel when your body is poisoned by the substance is you letting go of your stress voluntarily on your own anyway. So why not get rid of the poison and relieve yourself of the stress the way you've been doing it all along with some other distraction or some other way of coping? If you still are questioning this, maybe maybe you you started reading the book, maybe you're listening to our podcast and you're like, ah, you know, I, I you know, my student is only, we're, we're, we've only got about three or four classes left and, um, and she's actually doing really great. Um, but she, but she still questioned this. And so I said to her, I said, all right, cause she's, she's been a long time drinker and now she's, she's in her senior years. And, um, and I said, well, I want you to think about all the years of your drinking and all the different ways you've enjoyed it right? I mean, weren't there times in your history where you drank and you were out, you know, out dancing, out having a good time, and you were very energetic. And, and now in your older years, how do you like drinking? What does drinking do for you? Back then it helped you to party, you know, it kind of revved you up and helped you to party. And now you drink it to relax, right? And to sit home and, and just kind of wash off the day and and it makes you feel very calm and she's thought about it for a little while and she was like oh my god that is true i experience it much differently now than i did even 20 years ago and that's my example of the antibiotic right yeah <laughs> how can a substance do two completely opposite ends of the spectrum in the behavior realm yeah, exactly. Exactly. Is it is it a party drug? Um, or is it is it a drug that you take to relax and go to sleep at night? Right. <laughs> right. So, so it's whatever you want it to be, whatever you make it in your mind. So the question is, the, the first step to, to figuring all this out is actually asking yourself what you believe alcohol or drugs do for you? Where is the benefit? What is the benefit you believe you're getting out of this experience, right? What is it? Is it, uh, you know, relief of stress? Is it the license to misbehave and go crazy? Is, is it, it lowered uh, inhibition so you can socialize? Right. What, what is it, well, you know? And, and then from there, you have to challenge that benefit and decide 
whether or not it's real. And that's what we're talking about here. The nuance is, can alcohol actually produce the things you think it's producing? Can it actually do that? Or is it trapped in your body as a pharmacological, maybe body tickle? Yeah. Right? And poisoning. Now we know, people will ask me in class, they'll say, so what you're saying is that the only logical and true and objective benefit of drugs is what I feel physically. And I say, absolutely. Absolutely, 100%. And then you interpret that in all kinds of outrageously, almost ridiculous ways that you've been taught to think of it. You've been taught that way by ads. For example, you watch an old Budweiser ad, like when I was a kid Mm -hmm. in the 70s, it was always a beach party. And so the implication was, you drink this, you have a better party. Do you remember the dog, Spuds McKenzie? Oh, yeah. Yeah. He was a party dog. (laughs) He was a party dog. Yeah. With Budweiser. (laughs) With Budweiser. Yeah. Spuds. Um, So it was... uh, and you learn it in health class. You learn it on uh, exposés and documentaries and, and sitcoms and Cheers was a great one. You know, everybody, yeah. when you walk in, Cheers, hey, Norm, right? You know, everybody is happier at the bar or drowning their sorrows or in the bar. Or escaping. Or escaping or misbehaving by getting in a brawl at the bar or having an affair at the bar, right? Yeah. How can alcohol be all those things? Maybe, maybe it's you interpreting a physical buzz in a cultural way. And this is important because if you understand this, then you understand why it has failed you so miserably. Your miracle drug never seems quite that good in the end at fixing all these problems you think it's fixing. Then people say, well, it does temporarily, Mark. No, it temporarily distracted you. You focused on this physical sensation, then you interpreted it as mental magic. That's a misattribution. It's wrong. It's logically incorrect. And that's why within two to three drinks, you're bored again. You're just as stressed out. You're anxious. You're ruminating. All the things you say it cures. It doesn't cure them because your mental ability breaks through that physical buzz and you're right back where you started. So stop giving alcohol the credit for something that you're doing temporarily. You're the one letting go of your stress temporarily. And if you have a bender that's five days long and you think that, you know, it took you away like Calgon in the 70s, take me away. Right. You know, if you believe that it's doing that and it lasted for five days, it's only because you decided it to. It's all you. You're the only one in there. There is no intelligence in alcohol. It doesn't know. It can't. <laughs> you know, it's funny you bring up Calgon because uh, when my kids were little, um, I can remember trying to take a bubble bath because there's this all this idea that a bubble bath will uh, will take you away from your stress. But but if you're a mom and you get in the tub and you have like a toddler and a preschooler outside your door banging on it, that's totally not <laughs> relaxing. Do you, do you mean that the Calgon didn't, didn't didn't make your kids disappear? <laughs> did not make my kids disappear. And I can only imagine. Now, do you think if I had, uh, you know, a a couple bottles of wine in there with me, it would have made them disappear? Thinking no. (laughs) Uh, Thinking no. They're still there. They're still there. You might have been so shit-faced that you were distracted for a little while. But but guess what? When the only way that, that alcohol works mentally is if you're passed out. Exactly. If you're un- 
conscious because consciousness consciousness is your mind being active. So anytime your mind is active, even severely blitzed when your body, the processor is severely hammered, when it's pharmacologically poisoned, your mind is still completely intact. This isn't a small point. Your yeah. mind is still completely intact in a blackout. That's why people drive cars and behave and have do affairs and do all things. kinds of license and misbehave things or just sit there and do nothing. That's what, you know. It, it, You're it, always doing what you want to do. That's a it. blackout's just amnesia. You just don't remember it. And, and I can remember a few blackouts being grateful that I didn't remember, but there's always those people that are willing to tell you exactly what you did, which yeah. blows that out of the water. <laughs> which is why your car is on the lawn five blocks away. <laughs> um, so uh, so I, we got to keep this very pointed, though. So drugs affect the body. They affect uh, the neural functioning of your processor, but your processor doesn't do your thinking for you, okay? You are not a brain-centered creature. You are a mind-centered creature, which is beyond the physical. And that's the marvelous miracle of your mind. You are your own miracle because you get to choose with free will everything in your life. You're the one in control, even when you are hammered, even when your body is drunk, even when your body and your brain are drunk, your mind is still completely 100% intact. Now, the processing may be slow. Your motor functions may be sloppy. In the case of cocaine, it might be sped up. But it doesn't change the fact that you still have volition and are responsible for your choices. And you're making the choices because there's nobody else in there. Alcohol is not cunning, baffling, and powerful. It has no motive. It has no intelligence. It has no mind. You are the only one in there. And it's you, your mind, and the miracle of your mind. Now, if you want to give alcohol credit for, for some sort of temporary stress relief, why don't you try abstaining and temporarily stress relieving through some other means that's more productive? I guarantee your life will improve. Yeah. Now, look, we're, we don't, just because we're, we're saying this, the reason that we have to tell the truth is because there are so many people that feel hopelessly stuck in patterns of heavy use. And this is the primary reason many people find themselves stuck. And it's an interesting conundrum because if it really worked for the things that you think it's working for, you would never contemplate stopping it. It would right. never, you, your stress would be relieved. You would never seek help for the problem. Um, and and everybody would see that how relieved of your stress you are and everybody around you would think, wow, he's amazing or he or she is amazingly chill all the time. And that's not the way it works, right? So, so if you have this heavy substance use problem and, and things are kind of going awry and you've got people coming down on you, work's not going well, other things aren't going well, you wouldn't feel stressed about them if you were actually getting the relief you thought you were getting. That's right. That's right. This is important. So, so if the results were perfect, if pharmacology was what was running the show, if you could numb your brain or slow neural functioning and then that would cause your mind to slow down, then you might have a case to be made. And people think that's happening. Absolutely. But it isn't, is it? You get drunk and you still think how much you hate your ex. You still are stressed about work. And then the, people will always say to me, yeah, but temporarily. And I say, how long? 
How long? How many drinks? And it ends up, I've done this so many times, tens of thousands of times with people, it's about three drinks. So you can distract yourself on average for about three drinks. You can focus on the boring act of putting a nasty tasting thing in your mouth and swallowing it for about three drinks before that gets boring enough where your mind will drift right back to the same bullshit that's been going on in your mind before that. So this temporary thing doesn't solve the issues because the issues are within your mind and how you frame your life. And and it can't pharmacologically go into your mind to do it beyond your will. It can't compel you to be stress relieved. It can't compel you to let go of anxiety. It can't do that. It's not possible. It's impossible. Yeah. And I'm going to make a comparison. You know, there's also a, this cultural co- kind of construct where you see a woman, you know, she's just had a bad breakup. And what does she do? She goes get a thing of ice cream and she sits and eats her ice cream. Now that woman is not thinking, I'm going to eat this ice cream and it's, and, and it's going to pharmacologically make me feel better. Right. She's just right. thinking, I want to eat the ice cream because it tastes good and it feels a little comforting to me and it's something I really want to do. And but we don't we don't look at that ice cream like it's got magical properties that it's going into your mind in some sort of biochemical way and relieving and being as a coping mechanism exactly exactly so so if you can look at look at we don't we don't judge substance use at all um i don't judge eating ice cream i don't judge any of those things you can believe in unicorns if you want it doesn't make them real but i don't judge it if you believe in them that's right so if you want to continue with the charade of the pharmacology is running me and alcohol relieves my stress. It makes me a better dancer. It makes me a better lover. It makes me a better fighter. It gives me the license to misbehave and all the other attributes that we give alcohol credit for. If you want to live with that, go ahead. But the long-term ramifications of living lies is that it's going to be painful. Yeah. Because it's not true. And anytime we live a life filled with mythology we tend to cause pain to ourselves and it can only hurt you in the long run and a lot of times in the short run too. So, so, but we don't judge it because we did it. Yeah. We were lost in the magical world of misinformation. We believed in unicorns. We believed alcohol was our savior and drugs were our savior to all of human ills. And we believed the snake oil salesman called Anheuser-Busch and whatever, the paneled room ads of the lawyer snifting his brandy, right? Uh, it doesn't make you a better lawyer to be shit-faced, by the way. <laughs> or anything else for that matter. That's right. But but look, at, we, do, we do enjoy a buzz now and again. I do enjoy um, the activity of, of imbibing once in a while. It is a nice treat for me. I enjoy it like I do a dessert once in a while. But, but your analogy that you don't attribute magic to it is the key to moderate use, isn't it? It really, really is. If I if I thought that alcohol or opiates or benzodiazepines, um, which ironically benzodiazepines are called an anti-anxiety medication, if I thought those things actually worked to reduce my stress or anxiety, I would probably take them every single day. That's right. But why is it that over 90% of people that take drugs or drink heavily stop? Yep. You know why? Because eventually the mythology wears thin. Yeah. And, and the reality that our mind is much more capable 
of solving issues in a clean state than it is in a mired poison state becomes real to us yeah. and we move on and this is this is all such this is such an important concept um, because you're not going to to want to use heavily something you know you don't need and and so we're, we're not trying we're not trying to be buzz killers um, nothing like that we it's just important to have all the information so you can make an informed decision for your life and and there's you know ironically this this woman she's such a great student um, she we've started classes at the beginning of August and and she has been completely alcohol free this entire time and I can tell with a student because she looks amazing she looks younger and happier and more relaxed in her life and um and and she does know she goes well now i know i don't need it which is the key that is the key you can't want something that can't serve you yeah alcohol can't serve you in mental uh problem solving so um so once you know that you won't want it anymore. It becomes easy to get past it. Um, I have to go because I have to bring a guest to an airport. Well, we're so. gonna we're gonna close this up now. Thank you, everybody, for listening today. I'm gonna give a preemptive bye and then get off the mic. Bye. <laughs> if you or someone you know is seeking help for a substance use problem or another habitual behavior problem, or you want help breaking free and moving past recovery as well, you can reach us at one eight 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 four two four. 2626 or you can go to our websites we have the freedommodel.org leave addictionbehind.com and soberforever.net at the freedommodel.org that's our hub we have a bunch of free resources there and information including some videos these podcasts ebooks um, digital editions of our books the freedom model for addictions and the freedom model for the family are available for purchase on that site as well or you can get paperback or kindle versions on amazon or one of the other online retailers um, you can follow us on social media including facebook twitter instagram linkedin and subscribe to the freedom model youtube channel we have three Facebook groups, although one group is most active, and that is the Freedom Model Group. We also have Moving Beyond Addiction and Recovery and Families Moving Beyond Addiction and Recovery. They are private groups, so whether what you post or comment in those groups, uh, your friends can't see unless they're in that group as well. Um, and there are some great leaving AA and deprogramming from 12-step groups online on Facebook as well. Um, from everyone here at the St. Jude Retreat and the Freedom Model, we wish you well. Until next time.